providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Well, thanks everyone for joining us here today in another installment of FNF Unplugged. Really happy to have here today, and I think uh, an extremely valuable person to have on our show today is Ethan Pausner, who is the Vice President of Technology and Market Development uh, here at uh, the FNF family of companies. Ethan works with our agents, as I do, on a daily basis to help them improve their business processes, to help them improve their operations. And uh, Ethan will be talked back in the spring. And when we talked then, uh, we knew there were some changes coming. What are you seeing in regard and hearing from agents who, you know, they don't know where they're going here. We don't know quite where the market's going. What should agents be doing in regard to uh, increasing orders, decreasing expenses, and just better management of their business? What I'm advising agents is let's get back to the basics. The business isn't that complicated. As you just pointed out, Chuck, there are three major issues. There are money coming in, which are revenue issues. There's money going out, which are expense and operational issues. And then there's the management of the business, which means making decisions and what system you're using to make decisions. We've always promoted at Fidelity that metrics is the fundamental management tool, which means you measure things and make decisions based on those measurements. So as sales right now are decreasing, meaning uh, new orders coming in are dramatically decreasing, and expenses are generally staying flat because staffing levels are only now starting to drop, but as revenues going down and, and, and expenses are flat or barely starting to drop, uh, the agent needs to make a management decision. How much time do I wanna wait and make less money per file before I do something. In order to determine the answer to that, you first have to have your books in order. And what do I mean by having your books in order? And I mean by that is you have to take the raw accounting information that QuickBooks uh, collects, and you have to properly categorize the expenses and the revenues into operational, and non-operational. Once you've categorized both revenue streams and expense um, items into operational versus non-operational, you can make much better decisions about your operations. In particular, if you know what your expenses are that pertain to your operations, you can start to figure out how many orders you need each month to break even. As an aside, I've got two assignments in those last two weeks from agents who want me to help them figure out exactly what their break-even number of files is each month. With that information, the answer or what the agent is looking for is to determine how many new orders they need to get each month in order to not affect staffing. It is none of the agents want to lay people off, but they need to know how many new orders they need to get in order to not have to lay people off. Is that a fair answer to what you're looking for? 
Oh, I think definitely. And, and I think that, you know, anyone who's been in this business for very long knows that there's peaks and valleys. And, uh, and we're certainly heading into what seems to be a rather deep valley, hopefully not an abyss, but, uh, but, but a pretty deep valley here. So, no, I, I think what you're saying is, is really important. And, you know, and, and you and I have talked about, you know, various steps um, and, you know, not to get too far into the weeds here on things, because I know that when you uh, help our agents analyze their business, you, you definitely get into the weeds of their operations. But just, just one example that you and I have talked about as far as, uh, you know, if a, someone who's in ownership or management draws money out of the company as versus taking it in a payroll basis and, and how that gets treated. Can you talk a little bit about just that one issue about how that can create confusion about how real labor costs uh, are uh, right. being affected in the agency? Right. So one of the things I've started assisting agents with as part of the service for those who engage in, in our assistance is to track Revenue per file, how has that changed since 2019? Was that four years? Also expenses per file and therefore profit per file. What I've seen is that the revenue per file has gone up and no one can would deny that as property values has, have gone up, but the expenses per file have gone up even more. And in some cases with, with agents I'm working with, it was unbelievable how the expenses per file could go up. So on closer look at their payroll, when uh, we discovered that the, their accountant was classifying ownership draws, basically quarterly ownership draws, as salary. Well, why? Why were they doing that? Because everyone has these misunderstandings about uh, uh, tax liability, uh, you know, income tax that is uh, ordinary income versus uh, investment income and so on. So without getting into the weeds, of course, the idea was, okay, let's take the ownership draws out of salary. Let's get the numbers. Now we have a better idea of what your true operating costs per file are. And based on that better information, we can have a much better idea of how many or what your break-even is per file, what your break-even is for working and supporting your staff level, and then how many new orders you need to get to make up for that. Well, I think that's hugely important. And uh, again, having run different agencies of different sizes, in my experience, you're spot on there because as to how, when you're running, say, a boutique agency, you've got five or six people all told, your employees, a couple owners perhaps, that management is versus uh, running an agency where you have 75 or 80 employees or more. It's just a real different world and how you uh, look at those numbers and how you categorize those numbers and talking about you know staff reduction. And of course, I think everybody at this point, if they're not actively involved in reductions of force, they're thinking about reductions in force. And that makes it hard for a lot of our agents where, and it turns out that, uh, you know, especially in law offices that, well, 
some of the people who work here do other functions outside of title and settlement, but I don't have that job for them. Or shall we say they may be an in-law or relative or something like that. So it makes it very difficult to uh, do that reduction. But in regard to what we've been talking about here, looking at business processes and looking at the reduction in force, and I think it tags onto what you've been saying, but cleaning up those processes, doesn't that perhaps provide to the manager a, an opportunity or that uh, maybe they don't have to do the same reduction in force um, or at least make it uh, less painful if they do have to do a reduction? Yes. The irony is that once we can do an accurate analysis of break-even amounts and number of files needed and the bias has always been not to reduce staff and the bias, therefore, is to get more orders, then the question is, okay, what's the sales pitch? What's the strategy? What are the actions that are going to be taken in order to get new orders? Which then requires a lot of thought because the agency has to be able to quantify, or I should say, explain what the competitive advantage is. But more importantly, from an operational point of view, the workflow has to deliver the value being promised. And I don't mean just getting a policy at some time in the next six months. I mean, it's, it's the whole customer experience. If you're out trying to get new customers and you're saying you're better at it than the next agent, you better be able to prove it in a way the customer can experience it. In order for that to happen, you have, invariably, you have to revise your workflow to be able to support that. And there are numerous things, but what they come down to, the numerous things that need to change is spend less time doing valueless stuff and spend more time doing stuff that provides added value and real value to the customer. That's such a critical turn. Quite often it uh, sounds easier than, than it is to implement. And you and I have talked about circumstances where, you know, you've provided, you know, suggested blueprints for agents right. to, uh, you know, improve their operations. But after a few months, then people send you numbers and, they, and you start to review what's been going on that you find that, well, maybe not much has really changed or not as much has been implemented. Once a manager decides to implement changes, what is needed of that change champion, as the old term goes, to, to assure the changes and improvements are adopted? and actually used? I've discovered that there's a sweet spot where in the size of an agency where the owner is involved in the business, but not necessarily touching every single file. And I can think of two instances in particular right now that I'm working with our local account manager and the change agent is the owner and they're you know, number one deputy. And because they're involved in the business and are there and present, they're not just investors, they are leading the charge. And it's remarkable how quickly the changes are being made. Again, they're not radical changes. The message that the employees are getting every day is, look, we don't want to reduce staff. We want to reduce waste. We need to stop doing things that are a waste of money. I'll give you an example of a, a, an agent that in another state from these other two, it's on the smaller end of the scale and very smaller end of the scale. And they are efficient, yet they're wasting 
I don't know, a, a fifth of their time because not only is every file fully documented online in inside the software system, they also have this archival quality paper file that follows around each order. And the information is identical in both the paper copy and the uh, online copy. And, and the older says, well, I'm having a hard time convincing my people they don't need to have the belt and the suspenders. We can just use the belt. So I don't, all I can say is yes, it's really the owner and the manager make a huge difference as the change agent. Now in much larger agencies, that's harder to do. I do work with some larger agencies where it's, it's hard for me to figure out who's pushing the change. Well, yes, and having run large agencies where you've got managers and then you've got lieutenants and then you've got sub-lieutenants and then you have corporals um, and then quite often you have employees who, uh, let's just say, and inertia is a powerful force in our industry. And uh, so, you know, changing things. And, of course, we have employees who become worried that, well, if we change things and maybe they won't need me. And so uh, maybe I need to uh, have a little redundancy um, in what I do because uh, otherwise uh, they may decide that, they, that my job is no longer necessary. And, and I think every age that thinks about it, that's a huge mistake for everybody to take that sort of viewpoint in regard to um, you know, changing those systems. And, and of course, whenever we're talking about changing systems, there's, I mean, there's processes and then there's quite often technology that's tied to those. Something that you have uh, brought up before is what you call the leaky roof paradox as it relates to your recommendations. Could you talk a little bit about that and what you see uh, in uh, your experience in uh, working with uh, agents all around the country? Right. So the leaky roof paradox is that when your uh, roof is leaking, it's raining out, your roof is leaking, you can't fix it because it's raining. And then when the rain stops and the roof stops leaking, well, what's the rush? It's not raining and it's not leaking. And that doubles back to the two agents that I was telling you about where they were in that sweet spot where they're involved in the business, they're present every day, and they're, they're the change agents. They have told their staff, each respectively, is that what they've told their staff is that our mission during this quiet period when order counts are down, and they're going to be down for a few more months, is to get our ship in shape, get our leaky roof fixed, go through our processes, and get them set up so that when the next increase in business starts, we will be able to handle it in an orderly fashion without having to hire new people. And we will get our procedures manuals in order and we will get our training caught up and so on. And that's to me what should be happening as opposed to willy-nilly laying people off because your order counts are down and your profits have gone down. It goes back, I think, to the old Eisenhower maxim that um, plans are useless, but planning is everything. You have to look at, you know, what what is it you're intending to do? And I, and I so agree with you, again, uh, you know, having been an agent and having gone through slow times. Slow times are an opportunity to, uh, yeah, to, to clean up the ship especially since we've come through such almost furiously uh, quick times here for the last two and a half years where 
everybody's been trying to just get things in and out the door as fast as they can. And to be able to uh, train the staff, again, uh, you know, boring stories from me and talking about the American Civil War, a general named McClellan trained the Union Army, but was not much of a combat general. But when Grant took over, suddenly he had a well-trained army that could do the things he wanted it to do. And I think that's what you're talking about here, isn't it? Yep. There are so many opportunities to save money and save time, which, of course, as our Uh, agency staffs get older, time becomes more precious. And to waste time on every file by duplicating in paper and inside the production system, the same information is a waste of time. And it affects when you can go home for the day or whether you can get customer uh, inquiries answered more quickly. Um, Time and training are really they're, they're related. I mean, I, there's no doubt about it. Proper training, especially on the software, uh, will save so much time. It's well worth the few thousand dollars it's going to cost to get everyone trained up to speed again. Well, and I remember a few years ago at the MBA Tech Show where um, Garth Graham, who's the head of the Stratmore Group that does analysis and uh, it was in the mortgage industry, disclosed a uh, statistic that uh, he provided, and uh, it was a polling of the CEOs of uh, major mortgage banking institutions as to what is the major problem with technology. And I may be off on the exact numbers, but it's the general sense of it is that about 62% of all CEOs said the major problem with technology is it's too expensive. And they asked the same question of the chief technology officers of these large companies. And what is the the problem with technology? And 64% of them said, well, people don't know how to use it the right way. And, and it's, and as he said, that's, that's the same problem. (laughs) Right. It all comes back to the, the three tops we talked about management, revenue and expenses. And how are you managing the business? How are you uh, balancing your business goals, whether it's you know long-term goals to grow and acquire or medium-term goals to retire at a certain point or short-term goals, how to stay in business? You have to start with accurate books where operational and non-operational expenses and income streams are properly classified. Then from that, you can make more educated decisions and calculations about break-even points and strategies or the necessity and strategies for getting more business. And when it's quiet, this is the time to focus on that, not uh, just cut hours and have everyone go home and just to save cash flow. Make the investment now, make the mistakes now in the training, you know, practice stuff, have the trainers come in, whatever it takes while it's quiet, this is the time to do it. Well, I think that's such huge advice and uh, everything that you've discussed here today, I think is, is great advice uh, for our agents to, to not just take some knee jerk reaction, but to quietly sit down and make their plans about what they need to do and how they need to do it. And we want every one of our agents to thrive and not merely survive. 
And these are the times to try men's souls, I think, is uh, the old Thomas Paine comment. And, uh, uh, and Ethan, <laughs> I just want to thank you so much because, uh, yes, I think that, uh, again, uh, you know, the historical analogy, uh, while, while the army was sitting in Valley Forge and not doing very well and perhaps starving and freezing, Meanwhile, Baron von Steuben was busy drilling the troops so that by the time spring came, they were able to uh, drive the British out. So, uh, right. Yes, keep the faith, come up with a plan, we'll help you develop a plan so that you can use the time wisely. There's no doubt that your agents are going to make less money during the next few months, but that doesn't mean that it's all gloom and doom. This is a great opportunity to make an investment. And Chuck, I'm glad I can uh, visit with uh, the podcast. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you so much, Ethan. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.